This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I am joined in studio with Jim Sebastio. Jim, good to see you. Good to see you as well, Brian. <clears throat> so when I say in studio, like I really mean it now because we are sitting in what is the newly built practical shepherding studio. So let me give a visual for everybody. You would be just, you would be embarrassed to know what we have rigged up as a system for the last two years of doing this podcast. And now we have upgraded a little bit of equipment, not much, but a little bit. And hopefully the sound quality will be that much better than we've already been able to produce. So, but, but this is definitely in studio with, with Jim and we're excited about the new uh, equipment that we have. Before we dive into our topic though, a couple of housekeeping things. One is if this has been a help to you, to go to iTunes and write a review for us um, for the podcast. If it's been helpful and uh, just helps us grow in what we're continuing to do, hopefully not just improving equipment, but we're improving the content of what we're doing here. Second thing is if this ministry of Practical Shepherding has been a help to you at all, if you go to the website at practicalshepherding.com, hit the donate button there on the homepage and you can give to the ministry. Uh, it'll help us in just upgrading and expanding the ministry in a lot of different ways. So thanks for those who have been willing to do those things. Jim, we want to dive into, into an important topic, one that is on a lot of our minds because of even recent news, and that's wanting to come to terms and process the reality of depression, anxiety, um, mental illness, uh, things that lead to suicide. We, we've seen in the news recently with uh, with a pastor that committed suicide. And, and anytime that happens, it just leaves a lot of questions on people's minds. And certainly it should get the attention of everybody, but especially pastors, because it, it, it shows that we struggle in ways I think a lot of people don't want to think pastors struggle. So Jim, will you set kind of a biblical context for us as we try to maybe have this discussion? Uh, yeah, Brian, we obviously want to set a biblical context to start, and then maybe even a few practical uh, matters that make depression or anxiety in ministry of particular concern, and maybe it's a particular burden, and it's a source, as you mentioned, of confusion, both sometimes for the pastor and for the flock itself. Brian, I think we, we begin by understanding that there is a, a tension of in the Christian life, uh, the fruit of the Spirit— is not depression or anxiety, it's, right. it's joy. And in fact, we are told repeatedly, these are commands in the Bible, you know, that let, let those who love your salvation shout for joy and uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, uh, I say rejoice. Uh, blessed is he whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, but blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And, and, and here we are, we're men in ministry. We are given over to the study of the scriptures, which are calculated to give us hope. Right. Uh, we reveal truths that are calculated to make uh, God's people happy, and yet sometimes in our own lives and in association with our own ministries, uh, we can become very depressed. And I, I think of some of the tension you see in the life of the Apostle Paul, uh, you certainly see it in David, but I think in terms of ministry, you see it uh, at times in, in Paul's life. Um, I, I recently was going through Romans 8 and 9 in our uh, ministry back home uh, at the church, and Romans 8 has, you know, it's one of the great crescendos in all of the Word of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I just preached it, yeah. And then the very next words are, I have 
continual sorrow and heaviness in my heart. Deep grief, right? Yeah, because so he's talking about Israel there, and he's talking about the reality that there's, you know, that there's opposition to ministry, and he feels that greatly. Right. I think of the words um, of the apostle there in Second uh, Corinthians eleven in verse uh, twenty-eight, particularly there. He's talking about all these external trials that he's undergone. He says, and on top of that, my deep anxiety for all the churches and. Um, so he's not indifferent. So the people in Galatia are are going toward another gospel. He feels that deep, very powerfully, and he uses even that language. I am in anguish. Like I'm giving birth again, so that Christ to be formed in you. That that's right. that's not the picture of a stoic. That's that's crying, sweating, screaming. Yeah. You know, uh, that's what it's like to give birth. Right. Uh, um, it's very painful, uh, and and so Paul feels that. Uh, and so there is that tension. We we are ministers of joy. We we are ministers for your joy, Paul. We are helpers of your joy, Paul said to the Corinthians. And yet also there is the reality that, uh, particularly, and again, what we're focusing on is that there may be things in ministry that if we're really going to minister the way God calls us to minister, if we're really going to get involved in people's lives, if if we are going to put down the facades and see the raw reality of people living in a cursed world with hearts not yet fully redeemed and they're struggling and people are struggling. And if you're going to enter into that and wade into that, it's going to affect us. And sometimes it can affect us to the point of breaking us. Yeah. I think you're bringing up a good point, Jimmy. I think the first place for us to really see this out of that biblical background is the way to solve facing these things is to to, to not ignore them, right. to be that stoic, that you shut your emotions down, you don't allow yourself to be honest that you're feeling these things and experiencing these things. Paul was a great example of, of someone who modeled that force, that not only are those emotions and those feelings and that deep anguish present, but he's allowing himself to, to feel them. And so I say this first because I think a lot of pastors, a lot of men, I would say, were we're taught to deal with that kind of feeling and emotion, sorrow and grief and those things as that's bad. Like you don't want to be affected that way. So you just shut it down. But Paul is demonstrating that this is actually part of the human. It's part of being human. It's part of feeling in that way. It is. And and yet again, we, we deal with these things of tension. You don't want it to be at the point of, of crippling. Right. And yet you want to show the Lord's people, I, I think even by way of example, that grief and sorrow have their place in the Christian life. Jesus right. was a man of sorrows That's right. and acquainted with grief. And, you know, as some, as some have brought out, there are no records of his laughing or, you know, chuckling despite some of the modern portraits of the Lord Jesus that, but he did know brokenness. He did know grief. He did know, right. He knew sorrow. He is a man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief and he's able to come alongside those who feel sorrow. And I think that's an important thing for us to recognize. Brian, I want to maybe talk quickly about, I I think that there is, uh, there's, there's both correlation and distinction between who we are as men uh, and then what we do in ministry. There are men listening to this who just natively are given over to melancholy. Right. I, I think Charles Spurgeon was a man given to melancholy. Yep. And, and you know, had Spurgeon been a tailor or carpenter, he still would have been depressed. Yep. But I think that ministry did bring a burden to him and a, a felt sense of weakness that 
he would not have felt had he been a, a tailor yeah, or, I agree or, or, or a carpenter. Yep. Uh, in your own life, Brian, uh, maybe let's talk about this. Have you have you gone through uh, or have you gone through bouts of what, really what you would recognize and realize? You know, what, I think this is actually an extended period of depression. Yeah related to ministry have you been through that what brought you into that and are you still there or or do you go in and out uh Mm -hmm. do you have you ever felt like no i was finally and fully delivered or do you realize do you think yourself this is more cyclical and what can men younger men particularly listening to this what might they anticipate or expect in life and ministry yeah it's a good question and I, i think there's two pieces to this and i've experienced them both in my ministry in the last 10 years in the last 10 years. And that's, those of you who know my story at the church, the first five years were just brutal here at the church, three different movements to get me fired. And there were levels of depression and just downcast in those first five years that were reality for me in many ways because of just the suffering, the affliction, the hostility I was facing. It was just a tough place to be. And that's a legitimate thing that can bring us to a just a downtrodden place. Mm-hmm. And that was the case then in a lot of ways. Five years ago, uh, five, six years ago, I went through just a personal kind of anguish in realizing that ministry had become too much of my identity. And I, it was more not so much circumstantial, but it was more uh, just about me and how I processed information, what things that were going on in my own soul. It wasn't about my circumstance. It was more about, about me. Mm. And I think those are the two main areas that bring pastors especially uh, to these different places. There's a makeup of circumstances that just that just demand you grieve and you're right. sorrowful. You know, right. I don't care how happy and joyful of a person that you are. You lose someone close to you suddenly who dies. Right. Like that that should bring grief and right. sorrow to everyone. Exactly. And on the flip side of that, there's ways that we're wired. You talked about a melancholy personality. There's there's pain in our lives that we suppress for a long time that then all of a sudden chooses to come out a lot of times in our forties and fifties and that kind of in those ages. So my experience has been, yeah, I've had the ups and downs, but a lot of times they come from one of those two areas where it gets really hard and it can get brutal on the soul. And I think this when I when I hear of like a pastor committing suicide or or just having a mental breakdown. And you've actually you've known you you've known men, you've ministered to men in both those conditions. Obviously so you had at least one friend I think that uh that I took did. his life. And yeah, a couple. Did you see that coming? It was hard because it was a friend that I wasn't real connected to around the time it happened. Okay. So, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting that mo- in most of the cases, at least with pastors who commit suicide, I've been in a few of these situations or been brought in to, to try to help the situation. Most people around them had no idea. That pastor that in California that was recently reported, that was the comment that people made. You know, his wife knew that he struggled a lot, but, but even she did not realize she the depth didn't of just it. know the depth of it in, yeah. in that way. So, and do you think, Brian, there's something in ministry that makes us feel like we have to have an emotional facade that we need to show a happy face? We have to be publicly upbeat, cheerful in, in our pulpit demeanor, cheerful in our interactions because people expect that um you know on the extreme is you know the joel osteen bright you know the 32 tooth grin um you know our models of course you know my you know i i I come from a puritan tradition and those guys look like you know we say sometimes baptized in lemon juice or we're (laughs) sitting on on broken glass when they had their portraits done you know so and there was a time when you know your minister was grave and now the idea is more, well, he has to be 
He's upbeat. He's and some of the men may feel that like, um, how do I handle my emotions when I'm, I mean, you don't want to get necessarily let everything down and, and, and ball in public necessarily, but at the same time to let it be known, you know, Hey, we're going through a hard time as a church or some yeah. of our folk are really grieving right now. Um, and, and I feel it. I feel the pain of it. You know, folks are leaving. Um, people are discouraged. I'm just, I'm discouraged. Yeah. And, and that's going to show itself, uh, in, in our, to some degree in our public ministry and in our, our privately letting down our guard and being open with brethren. I'll answer your question by staying with your excellent illustration for a moment. And that's, I'm Southern Baptist. So what we do is we have our picture taking, sitting, having been baptized in lemon juice and sitting on broken glass, but we're still supposed to smile during the picture right yeah. to make the point yes uh there is a demand to have to put a smile on your face even though you may be in deep pain or grief or sorrow right i failed at this in the first half of my ministry here at the at auburndale and something i've tried to correct in the last you know probably six seven years and that's that the best way to help a church grieve and feel sorrow and realize that they may not feel the joy that they want to is for a pastor to demonstrate that that even happens to him Right. And to do what you demonstrated, to say, you know, when a lot of times if uh, a pastor doesn't grieve in front of his people, then they don't think it's okay to grieve. Right. And and I think that's just a really terrible precedent to set. I, I, I so, agree. I agree. So, yeah, I, so I think, I think that's, that's, the, that's the goal— part to bring out. The goal—and and so I think my background, but I think in general, pastors are expected to kind of put on a happy face. At least they feel the need to perform— in those ways. And I just, if you're a pastor listening to this, I just want to encourage you. It is, inc- as somebody who felt the need to do that and then changed that narrative and began to feel sorrow and grief in front of the church and let them know that and let them walk through and, and let them walk through it with me, um, it changed my ministry. Yeah. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. And, yeah, that's and, right. um, and, and, you know, part of that illustration, I think, is the weakness and fragility. And it is so that the power, whatever good in ministry, you recognize. Oh, that that man up there is like me. He's he's, he's broken and he's hurt, like I am. And yet, you know, God's grace is able to sustain and shine through. That's right, Brian. Let me ask you, what happened to you when you were going through this depression? And I I, I was with you for some of this. That's we right. Talk, you know, what what helped you? What helped you through that? What are you What are you really glad you did that you would encourage? other men to do if 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 at all possible what 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 what, what were some helpful steps yeah a couple of things is one just just be honest with yourself that that's where you are yeah. a lot of times pastors don't want to go there and acknowledge that because they don't think it's okay yeah and i just want you if you're at that place and you're listening to this it's okay and, and brian let me pause there there are some churches this not going to be okay with that's right and, and you know and this make it you know that vulnerability may make may be costly True, but you, so you know, you you just have to realize that not every congregation is going to say, "Well, oh, we're so thankful that you're broken. Why don't you go somewhere else?" You know, that that that's going to happen in some places. So when I, that's right. So when I say be honest, that doesn't mean you stand up in the pulpit the next week and confess it all. It means you are honest with yourself first. Yeah. Then you go get help help with safe people. Maybe another pastor. It could be a counselor. You just go see a that. 
that's totally disconnected from your church, which is what I still do. I actually still go see a counselor that is not remotely tied to our church in any way. And that's another thing, to get help in a safe place from somebody. And then begin to bring people in your who's in your inner circle at church that you do feel comfortable with. You know, other pastors or leaders that you feel safe, you need to let them know that. That's that's the big first step. What happens, what's tragic when you hear about like a pastor committing suicide or a pastor having a breakdown to where they have to leave ministry, oftentimes they did not let anybody in right. to the situation. So that's the first thing that was very helpful for me. And then the other piece is just, you know, stop crushing yourself with expectations that I'm sp- somehow supposed to be happy and joyful all the time because right. I'm supposed and to be that for the biblical. people. Right. It's, and it's not biblical to your point that you made in the beginning. So <clears throat> I found that helpful. Just It was freeing to to be able to be honest with myself, bring a few trusted people into that circle, share with them what's going on, and then and then go from there. See if you need to get help. We've talked about, you know, if you're in this place, um, you know, going to get a physical by a, a real medical doctor yeah. is a good step. You may have some kind of physical uh, issue that's causing some of these things. I mean, and Jim, I want to ask you that same question because I know you've had these spouts at different times, but you've had physical issues that has even contributed to that too. Can you speak about how you dealt with some of these kinds of things as you as you faced them and what was helpful dealt for with you? Or dealing with or, right, right, what, right, yeah, certainly no, dealing really because I think some of that we have to say, you know, some of it is you're dealing with. Uh, I have had uh, maybe two fairly major bouts of of real sorrow and and I get really what I guess would call depression in yeah. ministry. Yeah. Circumstantially related, largely, and again, I'm going to differentiate. You know, that's in ministry, right? And, and just, just so, so, so discouraged, um, and it, it's, it's often through the breakdown of relationships and folks leaving the church, where they, you try so hard to reconcile a situation, and it, and it doesn't seem to work, and, and it's, yeah. it's discouraging. It's spiritually discouraging. It's emotionally discouraging. I mean, these are people that you commit yourself to, you know, for me, I'm, I'm committed to life to be there. And uh, if at all, you know, if that's what the Lord has for me and I want to walk with these people and love these people. And, and I feel like I'm not going to give up on you. And why are you giving up on us? You right. know, and that's very, very, I, I, I can't detach myself from it as much as that happens. I know, I know some pastors, you know, they have 40 people left this year, but 50 people came and, eh, you know, all yeah. cancels itself out. And I know each of those that left is a, is a person you committed yourself it, to. It, and, and it hurts. That, yeah. It's a rejection. And, right? and yeah, it feels is, like and, it and on some level. Yeah, it is. There is that personal, there's the spiritual sorrow, right? Because it feels sometimes like, Hey, re, you know, the gospel didn't win, you know, I mean, <laughs> this love didn't win and it should win. I mean, this should work. Right. You know, I think it's maybe a conversation for another day, but the gospel is built for conflict and, yeah. and love is designed for conflict. If yeah. you, if you understand the, the, it's statements and it's declaration. Redemption has layers to it. Yeah, exactly. In our you life, know, yeah. So, and when that doesn't work and people just, you know, people sit with their arms folded, scowling, you know, when you preach, cause They've lost some confidence in you because you didn't fix what they wanted you and needed you to fix. And that's, yeah. it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't just blow it off. So yeah, it affects, affects my sleeping. Uh, uh, you know, there are times I'm, if I'm able to get to sleep, and I'm like, I, I, it, long time till I get to sleep. Other times you wake up in the middle of the night and it's, and your, your thoughts are racing and my wife look over sometime and I'm gone for two or three hours. Yeah. Uh, in the middle of the night, just because I, I can't rest and I'm trying to trying to shut those things down. Uh, so that's been, you know, and one of these has been, you know, fairly recently as I'm, st- I'm still yeah. dealing with the after effect of that. 
And then I do have, um, which we will talk about more at another time. We talk about, you know, taking care of yourself physically. I, I have, I just got through three weeks ago, whatever, having my third heart surgery in six years. And that's very, you know, that's discouraging. It's a reminder of your mortality. Um, right. You know, you, uh, there's just a whole level of sadness associated with that too, that, you know, you, you have to embrace in the providence of God and sovereignty of God and, and, you know, deal with what you can deal with, but then move on. Yeah. We're all, we're all dying, you know, yeah. and, uh, whether I've got six months left or, or, or 30 years left, we're all dying and we only have so much time. And, and so that, that should affect us. That should sober us. And, and I think it's okay to be sad with that. Um, but again, you can't allow that to, to ultimately so crush you that to the point of incapacity. Don't you have to recognize too, Jim, with the surgery like you had, there's a, there's something just physiological that happens yeah. post-surgery yeah, that, can be, that right. even can, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, I've watched ladies deal with some just mysteriously dark postpartum right. depression after having a baby yeah. that isn't even about them just trying to, you know, right. find just, joy yeah, in their there's life. There's been a physical trauma. There's been a physical degree. trauma. And so right. wouldn't, uh, do you feel like you've experienced that too? That it's just, it's I, about I think that? it may be. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I mean, it wasn't so much the physical trauma of it as it is the kind of the emotional aftermath yeah. and just kind of like, well, wow, here, you know, here you are again. And I didn't want to be there again. Brian, we only have a little bit of time left. Yep. Maybe let's talk about what are some resources? As you mentioned a few things, seeking help being honest, finding friends, maybe finding some professional help, medical help. Um, what are some resources maybe that you might recommend to some, to, to, to brothers who are, you know, maybe they're not there right now. Maybe they don't need it right now, but something that they should maybe read and keep as a resource for later. So three books I want to mention. One is a book called Spurgeon's Sorrows. Excellent. I was going to recommend that. It is one of my favorite books I've ever read on this. And it's Zach Eswine does an amazing job of taking what Spurgeon wrote in his own hand mm -hmm. about his bouts with depression and anxiety. And it's just beautiful to read Spurgeon. And, and it, Zach does a great job of just piecing this together, explaining what's going on, and then let Spurgeon talk. One of my favorite books, Spurgeon's Sorrows Through Christian Focus, um, David Murray's book, Reset. Yeah, uh, is an outstanding book about just evaluating this as well as the the physical side that we're that we're going to talk about in another episode, and then the pastor soul of our book that just came out needs to be mentioned in this conversation because it's what we deal with in this. This is a big piece to that. Ultimately, in a lot of ways, the depression and the anxiety comes from us not knowing ourselves, not knowing how to care for our own souls, and that's what that book and is bodies, about. Yeah. So that's through Evangelical Press. You can get those are three books that that really I think would be helpful in the midst of this conversation. So, Jim, any resources on your end you would suggest other than those? Uh, those would be. I mean, I, I, the, the well, the the other two are going to be the one I was going to recommend most: Zach Eswin's book, and and then David Murray. David Murray also wrote Christians Get Depressed. Too, oh yes, Thank you know you which for mentioning deals that. Yep. with uh, you know more generically, but reset though it is it is general to Christians does have a lot of focus on on men in ministry. So David, I think that's David Murray's book Christians Get Depressed Too is a little. T I mean, you can read it in an hour or two. I mean, it's small. It's so good. David was a pastor in in the Highlands in Scotland for fourteen years. One of the darkest, yeah. literally darkest places as far as right. sunlight right. in the world. Yeah. And David would, has an amazing perspective on just what that does to people's, yeah. in a sense, psyche. It's yeah. being dark all the time. So, one final thought, Jim, that you would have advice a pastor's listening to this. 
he battles melancholy or just struggling because his church situation is hard. What kind of advice, what's one final word you'd give that pastor who's listening to this? Brian, we need to labor and live in a climate of hope. I mean, that's, that's it. And, and that, you know, that, that is, I think, hope, hope in this life, but, but ultimately hope in the world to come when uh, this life is so small, it's so short in comparison you know, get out a timeline, get out a timeline of, of, of the last 5,000 years of history and put your life on that. It's a little tiny, it's not even a pinprick. Yeah. Uh, and in light of the eternal weight of glory that is to come. Uh, I, but I think we ought to live and labor with hope. This It's Christ's church. It's ultimately his ministry. Mm. You know, Samuel grieved at one point that the people are, are you know, are leaving me. And the Lord said, it's not you, it's me. You know, it's a, this is... That to ultimately have a Godward look, even in regard, if there's rejection in ministry due to your faithfulness, you know that's there, there's ultimately a, a spiritual development to that or layer to that beyond your own self. Yep. And so trust the living God that the word that you preach that you so desire to give hope to others can breathe hope into your own soul, hmm. and then the hope of, of 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 eternal life. If we live eighty years of sorrow and it gives way to ten trillion years of joy, right. Um, we should live in anticipation of that. Yeah, I'll add to that that um, sorrow, struggle, you know, grief, living in a fallen, broken world is to remind us that this place is not our home. And I think God uses uh, our sorrow and our grief and the, the anguish we feel in in this work and in this life that we do to make us long for heaven and long for that day. And you know, as a minister of the gospel. As a pastor, a carer of souls, that's not a bad place to be to do ministry. So I would want to urge pastors struggling with this who think this is a crutch, that they struggle in this way. You might be amazed at how God might use you with your people if you allow yourself to just be who you are, be where you are, and uh, and, and ultimately seek God's grace in your life and, and ultimately to have hope in Christ. So, Jim, will you take a minute and pray for yeah. uh, these brothers listening to this? Yeah. Our Father, we do want to lift up those who are in the midst of struggle right now, and Lord, whether they need a physical break and a, a, a time away to be refreshed, uh, or Father, uh, the uh, brethren to come alongside them and shoulder their burdens, or, or Father, whether you directly intervene right now uh, and come alongside and infuse new hope in their ministry. Uh, our Father, we pray that you'd be with those of your sorrowing children. You know them. You treasure their tears in a bottle. Uh, you are not ashamed of our weakness or to call us brethren. And we thank you for that love in your son's name. Amen. Amen.